0: I'm here with Matt Barnes, uh, 2002 NBA draft, played for 14 seasons, just all around one of those players that you know, you've seen it, host of the podcast, All the Smoke, and if you couldn't tell, the name fits. wants All the Smoke, and he's an advocate for cannabis, so Matt, thank you for joining me on Remotely.
1: Oh, thank you for having me again. I apologize for you know, we were supposed to do this two times already. So I'm glad the third time ended up working. But uh, you know, it, it's a pleasure to be here with you today.
0: Listen, I was you was about to get all you really wanted all the smoke from me. Keep standing me up like that, but, but that's listen, hey,
1: that's quite <laughs> That's why I asked for your number personally, cause I didn't want to have my assistant go through your agent you and think I was trying to Hollywood you or something. So I wanted to personally let you know, like I promise, as soon as things slow down, I'm gonna jump on with you.
0: You're lit. That was that was very transparent. I appreciate that. Of course, I, you know, I'm not. I don't really care. But the basketball community's starting to get worried now, Matt. Okay, it was first happened with Nate, and now I heard you lost to your trainer boss. <laughs> what what happened in that? <laughs> What happened in that foot race? What's going
1: yeah, that's, on? <laughs> that's, that's funny. So he, he 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 puts that on me every day too. Um, it was oh. something that uh, you know, it's no secret. I haven't done anything since I retired in 2017. Um, I'm up about 20 pounds of on my plane weight. So I literally just started working out maybe three weeks ago, four weeks ago, and that was the first time since 2017 that I've like really been working out. So. I'm just getting back in shape and that was my second race he didn't let you know that was my second race so I just told him yesterday morning that by the end of January I'm gonna beat him and I'm gonna film it this time (laughs)
0: because he you know he had the camera rolling um your son so you have two twin sons and they're actually starting their own show the Barnes boys what should we expect with that are they going to be as opinionated as their dad like what should we expect on their show
1: um, a fun new kind of energy. You know, I don't really see kids in this space. They got an opportunity to do something for ESPN. Um, when the bubble first started and they were a hit, um, the producers hit me like, yo, you got something with your boys. I was already thinking about doing something but that kind of just stamped it and green lighted. I-, I had to make sure I didn't have my dad goggles on, but, uh, you know, when ESPN said they love what the okay. twins are doing, I was like, okay, we got something here. So we started their podcast. Hopefully we'll launch their first episode, uh, in the next week we've already shot it, but just a fun, kids point of view on life uh pr- particularly sports uh culture music social media because all the time we're mm-hmm. talking you know what i mean and we always yeah. are talking for kids and, and doing too much talking at times so i just thought it would be refreshing to have their point of view from 12 year old kids coming up in a crazy pandemic <laughs> presidential yeah. change bubble mba just lifestyle um, so their energy as twins is crazy. I mean, they'll probably end up wrestling or boxing at one point <laughs> during the podcast, but it'll be something that's about 15 to 18 minutes long with just a lot of, you know, they're, they're very opinionated and intelligent when it comes to sports. They really tune in on it. So I'm excited for them to show that side of their, their, their knowledge, but then their connection as twins is so special. So I'm excited to show that as well.
0: I like that. That's the Gen Z group. I did the same with my niece and my son, Gen Z and me. We have a show. So I, I get it. Um, and you, you talked about ESPN. And on the jump with what was it, Rachel Nichols and Richard Jefferson. You talked about athletes should boy, boycott the Olympics. Why? Like, tell me your thoughts on why do you, why do you think that?
1: I didn't necessarily say they should. I said if they really want to make a statement, boycotting the Olympics is a bigger statement than actually boycotting your individual sport, Um, you know, because there was so much talk about uh, the bubble. Should they play? Should they not? I thought they should play because I felt like with the NBA message and logo behind them, their, their word travels worldwide. And that was yep. my main reasoning. And obviously as a fan of the sport, I just kind of wanted to see some smiles Though, You know, there was a five or six month stretch where it was nothing but crying for the whole world. Yeah. You know what I mean? And although basketball doesn't solve problems, it can be a quick escape I felt for, you know, the world to, to, to just kind of watch and, 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 and take your mind off the crazy world that's going, going on around us. Um, so that was my reasoning behind it. But like I said, this message was more when I said that about if you're gonna boycott, boycott the Olympics, uh, you know, this country has never been for us. And now that it's finally, we're starting to have footing and a voice, there's a lot of pushback. And you know, this is supposed to be the home, you know, home of the free land of the uh, land of the brave, but it's always been an issue to be African-American and a minority in this country. So like I said, I thought it would make more of a statement saying, hey, like until these unjust killings stop, until we get this crazy president out, whatever the situation, whatever they wanted to, to stand behind, I just felt like Olympic is kind of a, 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 a statement to the entire world on the biggest stage.
0: Love that, um, and staying on the NBA, <clears throat> Commissioner Adam Silver announced that the league would not be testing for marijuana this upcoming season. Now I saw your post where you said that you want your couple hundred thousand. hundred, I love it. I saw your post where you said you want your couple hundred thousand back. Is that a real amount? Like how many times do you think that you've been fined in the NBA?
1: Um, my, I, I think my fine total was a little bit over half a, uh, half a million um, which is horrible. If you think about it, um, but I did lose some money to it, but that was just kind of a joke to make humor, but I'm really happy for Michelle Roberts, who's the president of the Players Association, no, Adams. it's amazing. They're starting to listen to their players and I think it's important. It's something myself and Al Harrington, uh, owner of Viola, have been pushing um, heavy. Um, just to kind of understand what, what this plan is about. I think we, we get stuck on stigmas from the 80s that it's a gateway drug and if you do it, you're yeah. a loser and you, you're a gang band. whatever the stigmas behind it, it's wrong. You know, and I, I focus less on the high part of it and more of the educational and the beneficial sides to our body. You know, for me to someone, and it wasn't something I was bragging about, but you know, when I asked, I started smoking at 14. And at the time, I didn't really know everything he was doing for me, but I just knew it allowed me to sleep at night. It allowed me to relax. Mm-hmm. It allowed me to focus when needed because I had a really tough tough uh, childhood. And, and and carrying that through high school, through my career at UCLA, through my 14 year NBA career, like it really started to understand, okay, like this helps me, you know, take my mind off the trouble. This, this allows me to focus, you know, cause I was someone who smoked before the games. This allowed me to focus and, and shut all the noise out off, off the court. Uh, this helps me sleep, which is needed with our yeah. crazy travel schedules and either guys yeah. or some guys are drinking themselves to sleep or taking all kinds of pills that can put themselves to sleep. All I needed was some good California weed and it was going to put me to sleep. So <laughs> It was just something that, you know, I firmly believed in and I took a lot of chances and lost money um, doing it. But at the same time, I'm proud to say three years removed that this is an actual happening now like it's not yeah. all the way there but like I said I think the fact that Adam you know made that announcement is big and it's and I, I think it's, too, the it's
0: really big
1: the NBA is really big on messaging obviously because our players are so transparent yeah. you know you could be the 12th man and, and have endorsements you know around the world still um, so we really want to be careful about what we're putting out there to children you know me being a father of two 12 12- year old boys I really have to be careful with you know my advocacy and the way I kind of talk to them about it and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. so I think we're very image conscious but the way I look at it is it's not so much we're saying hey go smoke weed we're just not testing for it you know what I mean right. and it, it could just be the end of it you know what I mean so that yeah. that's all it doesn't have to say, hey go do this it's just like we're not testing and that's how it used to be when I first came in league is they they would test you one time in the preseason and that was it
0: yeah and then that okay so I got it so usually it was the one time and done so you could kind of figure your way out around it just question because a lot of people are going to have this question you don't think that you do you think that it slowed your motor skills down you said you would smoke right before the game that didn't that didn't affect you none because I just think the casual fan would think that um I know that like I know from just experience with people that that's not true but what why do you think that that does because there's a stigma with that too
1: I think uh you know cannabis affects everybody differently and it may slow some people down it may Put some people to sleep it may have a re- reverse effect on people and I wasn't someone who literally smoked on the way to the game so like on a game day we would have a shoot around at maybe 11 o'clock 12 o'clock that'd be for an hour I would go home mm-hmm. smoke a joint take a nap get up eat shower and go okay. to the game but so within like a four okay. or five hour window of playing I would smoke mm-hmm. but like I said it yeah. allowed me to take a great nap it allowed me to focus, you know, because me every night I had to guard the best player, so I'm guarding Kobe, LeBron. <laughs> Facts, D.
0: talk, you talk. talk. That's a fact. I
1: mean, so I had to really lock in on the task at hand, like that was my challenge every night. I wasn't going out there trying to score twenty. I'm like, damn, how am I going to slow these dudes down? That's that was my, uh, you know, my train of thought. So, and okay. quiet is kept. I had my. Off the court life was just as loud as my on the court life. You know what I mean. So to be able to t- yeah. t- tune out TMZ and all these blogs and people talking, <laughs> it's not just Tell to my people, employer. Yeah, and that's not something most people can naturally do. So I just always found that cannabis was it for me.
0: I love that. So speaking on fines, what are your thoughts on players being fined a hundred thousand if they take a load management day on a high-profile game like? What are your thoughts on these big fines and and even a Kyrie, a $25,000 fine for not doing the media? Like there's a lot of people feeling a lot of ways about how big the fines are. Like, what are your thoughts about that?
1: I don't agree with the fines obviously, but I think the NBA, we're in unprecedented and uncharted times. So the NBA is trying to mm-hmm. find a way to make a shortened season work under a certain time frame and bring the best product to our fans you know what I mean so they knew they knew with the fast turnaround that it was gonna the season's gonna start off as a crawl you know and people have to understand I'm sure you're gonna see Braun on Christmas but then I'm sure you may see Braun take a few games off after Christmas in early January and just really try to understand that you know no matter what you said the ratings were down there in the bubble the playoffs last year in the bubble were incredible the energy, yeah, the, great. The, the, the back and forth, the series alone, like the the, the the new stars that were born. So you have to understand that that's what you want at the end. We're starting to see guys get hurt left and right and understand that this is, you know, rest in peace to the homie Nip. This is a, a, a marathon, not a sprint. You know, this is a right. marathon. So we have to understand we have to where there's a fine line between giving our prep, uh, fans a great product, but then also preserving some of these older players. I mean, the younger players are going to play regardless. These Trey Youngs and, right. and yeah. going to play. But when it comes to the LeBrons and Stephs and KDs and some of these yeah. guys, that are, you know, that, that just hit 30 or a little on the other side of 30, you're going to start seeing that.
0: Yeah. And to your point. 9% of the players <clears throat> tested positive going to the training camp. So they're doing something drastic to kind of get everything under control. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit. Congratulate you. What is it? Generated content of the year. All the smoke. Congratulations on your podcast. I mean, that's amazing. Can you just tell me? We can assume. But how did the name? How did you get the name? How did it come about? Like, How did you start your pod?
1: Man, to be honest with you, um, it was completely luck. Um, Steven Jackson and I were both respectively doing Fox and ESPN and we were just getting a lot of feedback on our, our social media that, you know, you guys are great. We love your raw unfiltered truth. You know, you guys make the show better, blah, blah, blah. So we kind of like, OK, shit, well, we, we might have, a, you know, we might have a career in this. And then Fox took a chance and started putting me and Jack on shows together and then kind of saw our chemistry and the way we played off each other on that show. So we were at my house in the Bay one time, just watching a game and smoking. I'm just like, let's do a podcast. And even though I (laughs) I didn't know what a podcast was, I knew that with ESPN, we had to walk a fine line. You know, that's, that's Disney, you're not, you know, you got to fall in line or fall off the, uh, off the rail, but I just knew you can unfilteredly be yourself. And although I feel like I do, you know, a fairly good job on ESPN, I feel like on all the smoke, you're going to get the real me, how I would talk off camera but I'm actually on camera talking. So I just felt like yeah. it would be a great opportunity for me and Jack to just, you know, really talk to the world because this is how the world is moving. You know, obviously ESPN is great, but the, the, the world wants real, consistent yeah. and, and truths. And uh, we've been able to do that. We've been able to humanize our guests. We've had some of the biggest guests in the world. And um, like I said, it was just all random luck. Uh, I shot um, something for DeMarcus Cousins documentary and one of the uh, producers, it's like, Hey, I heard you want to do a podcast. I'm like, first of all, how did you hear that? Yeah, I'm thinking about it. (laughs) You need to talk to Showtime. And I took a meeting with Showtime and they signed, they signed us that day, like no sizzle, no nothing. Just kind of believed in my vision and the game I was pitching to them. And, you know, now just barely over a year later, we're being nominated left and right for awards and, and and really leaned on as one of the podcasts, you know, of our people.
0: And rightfully so, because it's it's really is a good show. All the smoke if you haven't seen it. Now I saw something on your social media. You were doing kush ups Can <laughs> you explain? <laughs> because people, this is this is a whole new world. I want to introduce people to a whole new world. What yeah. is a now I like people we know what a push up is. What is a kush up
1: So I so I bet Steven Jackson, I was really high on the Clippers last year. I thought they were built to beat the Lakers and win a championship, but I was wrong. So he and I had bet, he actually had bet me 25 kush-ups, but he didn't remember, so I wasn't gonna remind him. So I had to pay him 10 push ups for, you know, the, the, the Clippers not making it to play the Lakers. So a kush-up basically is just a push-up, but every time you you go down, you inhale, and when you come up, you exhale. So however many, <laughs> however many push-ups you have to do, that's how many times you have to hit the joint and let it out, hit the joint, let it out while you're doing push-ups <laughs> without stopping. So um, it's tough. I got uh, iron lungs kidding but um you know it's <laughs> something that we've started that kind of went viral and uh people love it
0: yeah it went viral that's why I asked about it it's amazing and just you know hitting on the things that you're doing and, and I'm laughing because this is a new normal you know like the NBA is not testing this is a new normal all all this smoke is a new norm and and forbes so you started working as an advisor for ease and in forbes you were quoted saying when i think about urban neighborhoods across the country so many families were ripped apart because of the criminalization of cannabis that's why i'm happy to join ease as an advisor of their board of directors can you tell me about the momentum acceleration program like tell me about what you're doing over there that's it's so dope
1: so yeah i was lucky to jump on with. Ease, they were someone I kind of just watched from afar. When I first um, stopped playing, I launched a quick roll, a line of pre-rolls, and I was going to team up with Ease, but just, you know, I I ended up going a different direction. But a friend of mine got hired by them, uh, one of my brothers, Rashad Johnson, who graduated from Morehouse. And um, he's just like, you know, we're kind of changing the face and the direction and we have this really cool give back program. So he kind of started t- telling me what the program was about and it was great, you know what I mean? I think this cannabis space is represented by less than a uh, 1% minorities, you know, and yep. we were the ones we were who most directly affected um, on the war on drugs. You know, my dad was, you know, a part-time drug dealer. So I saw it firsthand. Um, so, you know, to think now that P- this is legal and and corporations are making millions and millions of dollars off it, there's still a lot of incarcerated uh, minorities, particularly black. And then there's the, the, we're also getting pushed out of this cannabis why space. Why do you
0: think, why do you think it's so hard to get into the cannabis space? Because that's a highly talked about topic now, like just even getting in. So like, what's making it so hard?
1: It takes a lot of liquid cash to get into this space. You know what I mean? Cause you have to pay for licenses. You have to really pay, you know, Teach yourself, or go go to some classes and learn how to run this business. You have to be able to get the real estate. You have to do a lot of there's a lot of hoops and, and things to jump in and out of. And for the most part, it's just like you know our our community hasn't really a, we we've had a handful of, but we're not known for having our own businesses. You know what I mean? It, okay. it it's particularly dominated by other races. You know, so this is a business that we all want to jump into, but not necessarily prepared for financially, mentally or even sometimes qualified for. So that's why I think the Momentum program is great. You know, we give uh, we, we pick 10 um, social equity applicants, give them uh, $50,000, and then allow them to lean on Ease's resources to learn how to run the business or whatever particular field you're going into, you have access to all Ease's um, um, amenities, uh, to kind of really help you grow and sustain a business. And then once we kind of feel like they're at a point where they're ready to really go out there and get some real capital, we'll put them in front of big time investors too. So I just think it's a great what They're Mm -hmm. doing a great job of kind of trying to balance the playing field. Um, I'm excited that we're going to expand nationally. Um, so we're headed to the East coast and I think it's going to be, you know, a a big deal, you know, because like I said, we're, we're less than 1% by, by, by a drug that has, ravaged our communities and our families. So we really need to have a footprint in this space. And you know, I just want to continue to use my platform, my voice to help people that look like me uh, get in here.
0: No, I love that. And even just talking about how it's ravaged families and communities, you were able, and and to hit on for all the smoke, you talk about you had some of the biggest guests. You had a conversation with President-elect Joe Biden about the crime bill, the 2021 crime bill and how it will fix the damage of the 94 crime bill. Uh, what were just some takeaways that you had from that conversation?
1: Um, just kind of trying to understand the bigger picture. And I think, you know, I'm not saying Biden is, is the save all be all and he's gonna change, but I think he's definitely better than what we had and he can, you know, take a step in the right direction. But if you backtrack, you know, in the eighties, the government put what in our neighborhoods cracking guns and and turned our neighborhoods crazy. So in in the early 90s, something had to be done. And that crime bill passed unanimously, you know, and obviously obviously all the parts weren't great to it by any means. There was a lot of messed up parts that really hurt our communities, but it it set some kind of rule and standard to kind of get some kind of organization um, back in our communities. Um, So fast forwarding to now, you know, during this debate, and you know, you saw for the first time, a lot of athletes and celebrities really use their platforms to speak their political peace in their mind. And I was someone who was going to choose Joe Biden, he wasn't my first choice, obviously. Um, but when everyone else dropped out, it was it was, you know, we were left with Joe, and I kind of started looking and studying up on him. And just to understand the first thing that most people, you know, minorities, particularly black people say is, you know, I'm not voting him for him because of the crime bill. So I wanted to ask him straight up, like, what yeah. are you gonna? You hear that? What are you gonna do to change that? Because although it wasn't intended, or was it intended? It really affected our communities, in particular, hard. And he gave me his reasoning. And um, you know, you look, we're we're a month removed now, and you know, he's, yeah. I think finally gonna be able to accept it after all, all that Trump is crying and screaming about. But, you know, we're heading in a new direction. So, I mean, with with the show, with me in general just because he was the president-elect and is about to be the president, I couldn't change, I couldn't sugarcoat my approach, you know, because these are-
0: No, I love it, yeah. People
1: really want to know, because like I said, it really affected our community. So now that he and, and, he and uh, Harris are in office, this is not something we kind of exhale. We have to stay engaged and we have to keep pressing them. You know, I'm, I already have my team reaching out to hopefully sit down with them in, in 2021, because I feel like, you know, we had a big effect on him being elected. Uh, celebrities, athletes, African-Americans came out in record number, Uh, women came out in record number, and we are the reason why he's sitting in office, you know, so we have to continue to make sure that he didn't just get our vote to get there, he's going to have to continue to keep his word and start making improvements, and I think what we have to understand as a community is we didn't get here overnight, so this whole process isn't going to change with this administration, like I said, I hope this administration can get us going in the right direction, Uh, but it's going to take a while to get Uh, everything we're fighting for in 2020 so when I you know when I talk about this most of the time I speak on how everything we're fighting for today is going to really affect our children and their children and they're going to see the benefits but this is a really turning point because I feel like the first time in our history our voices are being heard and we actually have firm footing in a country like uh in in the country uh, in the United States excuse me
0: no and I love that and you even brought up celebrities and athletes and you know, you were talking on 95 the game and you gave such a powerful answer as to why you're bothered that a lot of people felt that NBA players don't have room to complain. You know, when the bubble was going on, there was a lot of chatter about, oh, why are these NBA players complaining? They're millionaires. They have everything. Can you just address that thought process? Even I mean, even people like with me and the WNBA, knowing that we don't make as much as the NBA felt like we were speaking from a position of like rose colored lenses or different things of that nature. Can you just address that thought process that having money almost removes you from the struggle?
1: Well, it's ridiculous because people don't understand like we were lucky to make it out. You know, there was plenty of people just like us or better than us that didn't make it out and it became statistics. So it could have been one bad decision, one bad injury. And now we're in the majority which is the people who didn't make it. So just because we have money, we can never forget where we came from. And just because we have money, doesn't mean all of our friends and our people and our family have the money we have. And the and those people are still in these communities, you know? So I think it's our job to speak for the people who don't have a platform or as big a voice as we do. So that's why I was so bothered when people, you know, stick to basketball, do this, do that. Like we're so much more than athletes and we affect, yeah. so like we affected the the election. You know what I mean? Like we, affect yeah. things. like when the NBA does stuff, we move the needle around the world. You know what I mean? So I loved when guys were like kind of forgetting it and, and you got to take your hat off to LeBron cause he's been the leader. You know, if guys, yeah. if I'm speaking on it and, and guys that weren't necessarily stars are speaking on it, they hear us, but now they're really listening to us because the best one of the best players we've ever seen is the most outspoken uh, superstar, you know, outside of Ali and those guys back in the sixties yeah. that we've ever had. You know, so I you know, I always tip my hat to LeBron because he really opened these doors and allowed people like myself and Steven Jackson and everyone else who speaks on stuff outside of basketball to have a platform.
0: I love that. We are moving the needle as athletes. Matt, I thank you, thank you, thank you for joining Remotely Renee.
1: Thank you for having me.
2: This is Wilfred In a world that sometimes feels uncertain, where communities can be disconnected, there are beacons of hope in your neighborhood. Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network. They believe that the people living all around you are your best bet at creating meaningful social bonds and preparing you for the next big weather event. Whether it's lending a helping hand to a neighbor in need or standing together in times of natural disaster, Neighbor to Neighbor empowers you to grow your community. Visit caneighbors.com to learn how you can help build a more connected community. Neighbor to neighbor, it takes a neighborhood. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance.